If you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to start where we really stopped last Sunday when we were talking about the passion of God. And what my prayer is, is that God ignite and reignite the passion for God in all of our lives. Because that that is, really, that is the mark of the believer. It's the supernatural fire or the supernatural passion of God that God puts in us. And so what I'm praying that if your life has grown cold, if you have drifted to the side, if things have begun to dampen in your life, my prayer is that God's using this series that we're on right now, that God will use this to rekindle, everybody say rekindle, that God will rekindle a fire deep in your heart. Because it was never the will of God for you to grow cold. Now, I know during the processes, we, we come up with all types of reasons and excuses. Uh, we, we started off as a reason, then God lets us know it's an excuse. We first say, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their fault. It's because I was done wrong. Something happened to me. And we're constantly making reasons to why we have an excuse to grow cold. But the Lord looks at them not as reasons. God looks at them as excuses. And it comes out so uh, abruptly right here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. When God is dealing with part of His church that's grown cold, they're no longer hot. It says, yet there's one thing wrong. That's what God is saying. He said in Revelation 2, 4, He said, yet there's one thing wrong. You don't love me as at first. God said, your love has grown cold. And now immediately, there's where we would jump up with our reasons. And we would have so many reasons why that we, that the things that's happened in our life. And let me tell you, life is difficult even at the best. But I want you to know that if you're going through a hard issue in your life, I want to encourage you, just hang on. Because the same God that started the work in you will be the same God that finishes that work if you would just keep holding on to Him. Amen? Notice what he said. He said, there's one thing's wrong. He said, you don't love me as at the first. And then it says, think about those times of your first love. God's answer, if you recognize your cold, if you recognize the fire, the passion of God is not burning in your heart. The first thing God says, do think about the way it used to be. But we want to complain the way it is. But the Lord says, you must move out of that and begin to take my antidote that I have for you. God says, my antidote is think about those times of your first love. How different it is now. And then it says, and turn back to me again. And as you did before, or else I will come and remove your candlestick. Now, this scripture is just so powerful. Because it, all, it identifies the issue. The issue is that I've grown cold. The issue is, Lord, I've lost my passion. The issue is, I, there's things that's happened in my life that I'm, I thought I was started out so strong and so well, and here I am like this today. Then God gives His antidote, and it says, think about it. First process, think about how far you've fallen. Think about how different it is. Think about how it's not like it used to be. Because, see, some of us, we've come to a place where we begin to think, this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm here to tell the devil today, this is not the way it's supposed to be. The, the, the experience that we had in the Lord, the passion that God put in our heart, is the will of God for that passion to still be in us today. And then His antidote said, think about it. Then it says, turn back or turn around. And then it tells us what to do. I tell you, God is so wonderful in His Word. Because in His Word, God tells us what to do to fix that that is wrong. 
There's a lot of religions today that can just tell you what's wrong. But I'm so thankful that Jesus tells us how to make it right and how to fix it. So what he said, do what you did before. Whatever you did that made the passion come the first time, God says, do that to cause the passion to come again. He said, do it again. And so that's why he said, think about it. Because as you think about it, then you can remember how far it is. How far you've fallen. Then you can begin to think what it was before. And then you can begin to think, what was I doing then? What was I doing then that I'm not doing now? Because the Bible said the word do. In fact, the word do here, in the original Greek, in that one verse, the re- it means do it now. It says quickly. It's a, re- it's a quick response. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Don't consider it. What God has said, if you've realized that you're cold in the Lord, God says, do something quickly. And God says, what to do is then do what you did the first time. Amen. So I want to talk to you about this today. If you have your Bibles now, turn over with me to Psalms 31. We're going to talk about the passion of God. I want to reminisce a little bit on passion uh, because we see such passionate people, not only in the church, but we see God's passion working in people in the world. I, I want to call for you Sam Walton. Uh, how many remembers when the old uh, Walmart store was in Atwoods? Do you remember that? Well, when it was there and Sam was real, uh, Mr. Walton was really alive and well and, and right in the vibrancy of part of his uh, uh, Walmart growing, he was fly his little Cessna into Camden like he would in every town that he had a Walmart store. And he would fly his little Cessna into town, land out here at Camden, and then he would, uh, or either he would come driving in his old truck, he had a 1950-something, I believe it was, and he would come driving in his old truck, and he would drive up to the Walmart store, and he'd get out with his keys. And he began to bang on the door early before Walmart was supposed to open up. And he would finally get somebody's attention and they would come and they'd open the door. First thing that he would do then, he would go inside his store and he would get a buggy. And he would start down through Walmart. And he would begin to gather up all types of food and all types of goodies. Then next thing he would do, he would go up and get on the loudspeaker. He said, I want all my gang to come here. <laughs> and so he would gather all the people that, was, that worked at Walmart and they would come through and they'd gather together there. And then there in his down-home kind of way, he would deliver them one of the greatest passionate stories about how God had used him and the way God was using them. And through, through his life of passion, not only did he become a multimillionaire and probably billionaire, but many people even in this town from that Walmart store became millionaires. Because in his passion, part of Sam Walton's passion was he wanted to give back. And the people that worked for him were so valued to him that he made sure that they all came out so well. Well, then in the closing weeks of Sam Walton's life, in the closing weeks and even the closing days, this passion that he had of the retail market was so strong inside of him that... He could barely get up, but he was fighting cancer and he knew he only had days to live. And he was set on the side of his bed and he would call for his computers to be rolled up to him. And when they would roll in computer in him, still yet, even though he was days and even hours before his going home, he would sit there and he'd watch those numbers on that computer and it would build something deep inside him. I'm just saying there is a passion 
that drives successful people. And if there is going to be a success in your spiritual walk, there's going to have to be a passion that drives you. There's going to have to be a passion that begins to move through you. And you're going to have to, whatever it was that dampened it, whatever it was, stop blaming people and stop blaming things. Recognize God sees those, not His reasons, God sees those as excuses. And begin to deal with your own heart and begin to remove the things out of your life and get the things into your life that you did before where God can rebuild that passion. Amen? All right, now, in Psalms 31, verse 23, I just love these verses about passion. We're going to look at like three or four verses here on passion. Then we're going to look at it another way. He said, listen to me. Psalms 31, verse 23. He said, listen to me, all you godly ones. Love the Lord with passion. How does it tell us to love the Lord? Love the Lord with passion is what it says. Love Him with... He said, be passionate. Now, what color is the color for passion? It's red. In fact, it's symbolized by a red rose. And the symbol of that, because it's, it's a vibrancy, it shows a, a passion. It's, a, it's a, uh, a detectable difference that's made out of a passionate person. And what it says is, Lord said, love me with passion. But then notice the next part of that verse. I tell you, God offers such promises when we will do what He's asking us to do. God never asks you to do anything that He's not going to do for you more than he would ask of you. The word passion in the Greek is from the word sacrifice. It means a sacrifice. That when you're passionate, that means you're offering a sacrifice to God. There's something that's hard for you to do. There's something that's difficult for you to do. It becomes a sacrifice. And when you put your sacrifice on the altar of God... The Bible tells us, Old Testament, then God brings the fire, the passion. God brings the fire into that sacrifice. And then we then have the responsibility of keeping the fire going. That's why I said in the Old Testament, when the Lord, when, when, when God brought fire down into the tabernacle, it came by the sacrifice. The people prepared the sacrifice. Once the people prepared the sacrifice, then God supernaturally, everybody say supernaturally. And what, I'm, what I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about a supernatural passion. I want to talk to you about a drive, a strength, a God that can come into your life. And that's what God gives in this passion. The fire would come from heaven and would take up the sacrifice. But a fire was kindled then that the priests were expected to never let it go out. So I'm just telling you, God is expecting us to do some things to keep the fire burning. Amen? All right, in the next part of that verse, it says this. The Lord protects. Man, I tell you, you that are worried about your children, you that are worried about your family, you that are having... A, I tell you, this, this is one of the issues that has really dealt me great havoc in my past. Because I was raised in a fearful family. And I tell you, I was taught to fear well. Or I was taught to worry well. Anybody else raised in one of those families? We could worry with the world's best. Man, we were taught how to do it just right, you know? But, became, but, but, but then in my life, it became a tremendous difficulty, tremendous battle to get that fear and to get that worry out of my life. Well, when you find a scripture like this, if you're in any kind of episode, if you're worried about those kids, if you're worried about your family, if you're worried about your finances, if you're worried about going to be able to make it, if you're worried about where, where your next uh, uh, food's coming from, if you're worried about what next year is going to hold, if you're worried about your job, man, you need to take this first and you need to mark it. 
Because our job is to be passionate, to keep it passionate. And God says, I will protect and I will preserve. Isn't that a powerful promise? Give the Lord a hand for such a powerful promise. The Lord says, the Lord will protect and God will preserve. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, another powerful verse. It says, Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. You know what this does? This just kind of takes dead religion and throws it out. I was raised on a farm, and my mom used a, 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 a wash tub, and we would use dishpans. And and my, I've watched mom as I remember as a child. I remember taking that that when the water was dirty, or after she had washed dishes, she would take it to the back porch and she would dump it out. This is what God says to do to to religious duty, because this won't keep. The fire of God in your life. What it says? It says, love the Lord my God with religious duty. No, it says, love the Lord my God with... No, it says, love the Lord my God with every passion of the heart. Notice what it says. Every passion of the heart. Because, see, God knows there are other passions in our life. Now, I don't know what you like, but I know what... I live with a fanatic gardener. Lane loves... She passionately loves gardening. And now I was raised on a farm. I had it with the beans, peas, and potatoes out in the field, so I'm through with that kind of stuff. But now I was, I'm ra- I live with a passionate gardener. And she, she's passionate. She loves that. Now I, I feel that same way toward fishing. You got any fishermen in here? Yeah. Now I feel that same way toward fishing. I mean, I passionately enjoy it. But because God said, you got to love me with all your passion then God is telling me, He's not saying that it's wrong to have other passions. What He's saying is, your passion to me has got to rule all other passions in your life. So God is not telling me that I'm not to enjoy things, I'm not to be passionate toward things. But He said, all other passions have to be at check. All other passions in your life have to be held under the guidance, under the under the authority of your passionate love for me. And, and so I do. Even in my life, I have certain things I have to watch about fishing. Well, one thing that I have to do in to keep my passions in check, that I don't allow myself for uh, like 10 months of the year to even think about fishing. I don't, I don't allow myself to read a fishing book. I don't allow myself to, to concentrate. I don't allow myself to, which I love to do. Man, I love to go in Bass Pro, and I love to just look, you know. Now, not necessarily by, but I love to go look. But for so many months a year, I have to say no to that because the passion will get out of check. Because I've determined that my passion for God is not going to go out. And that fire that God put in my life supernaturally, I'm determined that it's going to stay there. So I don't know what, but I do know this, passions war against each other. And the Bible says there are even sinful passions that can come up in our life. Now, sinful passions are usually in the, in the area of uh, uh, sexual sins. But there's uh, s- sinful passions, things that God is, God's Word has declared as no. Just like pornography. If you're having a problem with pornography, I want you to know, for you, for you to keep the fire of God burning in your life, you've got to win over that. You have got to be able to take that Word and you've got to be able to defeat that in your life. And I tell you, it's a process. Whatever you're defeating, whether it's pornography, sexual sins of any kind, whether it's things that the Bible has definitely told you not to do, and you feel powerless under it, 
Every one of us have had those episodes where we feel powerless under the passions that are sinful, listed as sinful passions. In fact, the Bible says 27 times in the New Testament alone, it tells us there's sinful passions that have to be dealt with and the Bible gives like, have to be killed. They have to be dealt with. They, we have to kill it. That that's in me, that's not of God, I have to kill it. Now, how do you kill it? How are you going to overcome those passions that's in us that's wrong? Well, the Bible says there's a reason why God's Word is called a sword. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible and hold it up before the Lord, if you would. That The Bible says that that Bible is a sword. In fact, the Bible says it's a two-edged sword. And what you have to do if you're going to overcome those things in your life. And they, they come with bondages. They become almost like a snake that wraps around you. And that they, and they tighten their, their hold on you. And then people come to a place where they feel like there's no way. So what they do, they enter into secret sin. And then what is a, uh, what is a uh, sinful passion now becomes a secret sinful passion. And the bondage just gets more. But I tell you what, God's not going to stop because God wants that fire that He put in you at the beginning. He wants that fire to be alive and burning. And God's going to continually to deal with your heart until you begin to fight it God's way. What you do, you take the Word of the Lord and you take it into your prayer closet. Now, there's certain things I pray about in public. And there's certain things I pray about in private. You understand? The things that I pray about in public, I pray about public things. But the things that I pray about in private, they're my issues. They're what I'm going through. That's what the devil's trying to kill my life with. He's trying to destroy me. But that's where we take that word into our prayer closet. And the way you do it, you just simply take the word. What I do, I go into the back of my Bible. I go into the concordance. I look up whatever issue I'm fighting. Whether that issue may be worry, whether that issue may be fear, whether that, that may, whatever that issue is, I go into the back in that concordance and I look up scriptures that have to do, that tell me what God thinks about what I'm going through. Then I take those scriptures into my prayer closet. And in my private prayer time, I begin to pray about it. I began to pray about it. I said, Lord, I want this out of my life. I want to break this thing. I don't want this thing. This thing will end up destroying me. It could end up destroying my family. It could end up destroying the passionate call that you put on my life. I've got to win over this thing. And so, and then I began to quote scriptures. You know, it's one thing to have the scriptures in that book, but it's another thing altogether to when you take that scripture and begin to bring that scripture out your mouth. You can be in a prayer closet all by yourself and you think, well, I'll just sit here and I'll just mentally assent to this. No, honey, it's got to come out your mouth because God takes his word and when you bring it out your mouth, it becomes a sharp sword. So you begin to take that scripture and you begin to pray about it. And do you know, do you know the word of God is God breathed? How many know it's what? It's what the, every scripture. Somebody says, oh, I don't believe in words. You don't believe in God's breath? You don't believe every scripture, every Bible says every scripture in the Bible is God breathed. Now either the Bible's true or it's false, and if that's false, then the whole thing is false. You understand? But I'll tell you what, the whole thing's not false because it's proven itself time and time and time again for the glory of God. Amen. So you take that scripture and what you do, you begin to 
pray that scripture. And it's God's breath. God breathed into that scripture. Well, what you begin to do, you begin to inhale God's breath out of that scripture. You begin to inhale it. God breathed it, spoke it in the word. Now you take it into prayer and then you begin to inhale it. You begin to draw that word into yourself. And as you begin to draw that word into yourself, that word does what it's supposed to do. It becomes supernatural. That passion that you have, I want you to know, if it's a godly passion, it's a supernatural thing. People don't even understand how the drive that you have in you. How you can keep on keeping on. And that's the way you know is a passion from the Lord. Because once the passion from the Lord, you can do it whether you're tired or whether you're rested or whether you feel good or feel bad. Because when it's a passion of God, it's the passion you can't even describe. It's an emotional push inside you that just begins to push you forward. Amen? So you begin to breathe in and that word becomes supernatural. In the process of what God breathed into it, now you begin to inhale it. As you begin to inhale it, just look at it, quote it, speak it out your mouth, you begin to inhale it into yourself. When it gets in there, it becomes a supernatural force. It becomes a supernatural power. I here to tell you, there have been entire nations that have been changed through that supernatural power. There have been multitudes of people that have been healed and been delivered. There has been multitudes of people that have even been raised from the dead through that supernatural power. That word is supernatural. If you begin to work that word and get that word into your life, that word is supernatural. And it will begin to come out of your life in a supernatural way that will set you free. So you don't quit until you defeat it. Whatever it is, whatever passion that's trying, what the, because what that sinful passion is trying to do is trying to destroy your God-given passion. And your God-given passion, not only is it going to bless you, but it's going to bless others. It's going to bless the multitudes. God put that passion in you because God wanted Himself to be able to help people. And God's going to help them through the passion that's inside you. Amen. So that ungodly passion is working there to try to destroy. And if you let the two coincide, one will destroy the other. But what you've got to let happen, you've got to let God, that godly passion that put inside you, stay on that thing till it defeats it. Some things I've been able to defeat out of my life at one time. Other things, it would take years before I could defeat it. But I tell you what, honey, what God's looking at is your heart. You've got to love Him with all your passion. You've got to love Him. You've got to love God enough till you're not going to offer Him an unclean sacrifice. You've got to love God enough to where if you want the fire of God in your life, it's got to be a sacrifice that takes a sacrifice. And so the sacrifice that you want to offer God is the sacrifice of a clean life before Him. Amen? Amen. Let's go, go ahead and give the Lord a hand for his, what He offers us. Isn't He wonderful? Wow. So, the passion of the Lord. Now, in Matthew 22, it says, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. So, what that means is, God wants my passionate love for God to rule over all the other passions in my life. And if I will allow God... All right, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Now, this one, verse, is talking about... 
Uh, this is talking about when the coming of the Lord takes place. Matthew 24 is talking about when Jesus comes back. It tells us about last days. It's telling us how to live through the last days. All right, Matthew chapter 24, notice what it says. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Do you see the warning God said there? You see, as, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, what God said, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. I want to call your attention. I'm going to close with this. And that is, one of the greatest feelings in the world is, is to stay on whatever it is that you're staying on until it's defeated by the power of God. There's something happens in the life of a person that determines I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to overcome this thing. This thing is not going to destroy me and it's not going to destroy the passion that God put in me. See, there's three major things that works in a believer's life once you come to the Lord. The first thing is the purpose. You've got to let God talk to you about His purpose for your life. The Lord spoke to somebody says, well, your purpose is to be a preacher. Not so. My purpose is to further the kingdom of God. That's my purpose. Every person here has the right for the Lord to whisper to you and let you know your purpose for life. See, because my purpose in life is to further the kingdom of God, that's what I desire with all of my heart. And that happened years ago. Then when I work construction... I was just as happy being able to witness and minister on the job as I am standing here today in front of you. Because the purpose that God put me here, the reason God created me and placed me on earth was that I could further, I could be used by Him to further the that's why if you're on a job that's dead in the water, what I mean is you don't enjoy it anymore. It's grown old and humdrum to you. You spend your time when you get there just trying to bide the clock till you leave. You've lost your purpose. Because when you recognize your purpose, it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> And it really doesn't matter what you do, man. I'm going to be sharing about you. <laughs> I'm going to be sharing about you. Because that's my purpose. My purpose is to let others know of a wonderful God that loves them so deeply. You understand? I remember when that first, when the Lord first began to reveal to me my purpose in life. He put me working with probably the hardest man I'd ever worked around up at that time. Working construction, you just work from job to job. 
and town to town and, and you a lot of the crews are hard but this is the hardest man I'd ever worked with in fact it, it became so it was such a spirit it was such a spirit that would come between us to literally he would hate me and I'd never done anything to him but he hated my spirit and so I couldn't believe it I'd go out there and I'd, I'd cry and pray on the way to work and I'd say oh Lord I want to go and I want to I want to share your love with Bill and I, I want some way Lord I want some way to be able to touch Bill some way I want to I want to minister to Bill some way now see that, that didn't relieve me from the responsibility of being a good worker and I'm going to tell you what if you're not a good worker on your job you've already lost your purpose your purpose is to show your people you were with how strong Jesus is <laughs> you, your purpose where you work you're to show them how strong Jesus is how much Jesus loves them and how supernatural God can put his grace in your life and help you that's why the Bible says wherever we work we do it as unto the Lord the believers should be the best workers, the strongest workers, the one that that's more conscientious over things being right. Well, I was there with Bill, and the Lord would tell me little silly things, man. That was that I wouldn't even understand. I remember one day he said, "Go sing to Bill." Man, I I can't sing to a dog, and a dog like it. But he said, "Go sing to Bill." So I went out on that job and Bill and I was involved in that construction job both of us working for the company job that day one of the hardest things I do I had to begin to sing and I just began to sing the little song Jesus loves me now it probably sounded like a dog howling if you want to have an idea of what it sounded like but there Bill was right behind me and I began to sing Jesus loves me. I talked to him multitude of times. Didn't anything move him. But it's amazing when you find the purpose of God, I become the supernatural thing, and God then will begin to direct you supernaturally. See, passion is the supernatural force of your purpose. It empowers, it fuels your purpose. So there Bill, and there he was saying behind me, I'm, I can still hear Bill's gruff voice. He said, you sang that one more time, I'm going to knock you off that ladder. Well, now, Lord, this wasn't the way I expected this all to come out. I, 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 I expected you to melt his heart. But I continued to sing. Sunday night came. I was in a little bitty church. And all of a sudden, the little bitty church doors busted wide open. I mean, wham! Why is that? Wow, what kind of bull is coming in here, you know? And it was Bill. Bill walked in that church. He walked to the front and sat down beside me. And that's where he stayed. And he became, he became, Bill became one of my closest friends. He promoted me everywhere he ever went. <laughs> Bill died about three years ago. And I know he's up in heaven. Telling Jesus. Telling Jesus. 
Jerry can't sing Jesus. You need to help him. He can't sing. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, when you find your purpose, when God reveals your purpose for life, then there will be a passion. Fire will come. The passion of God. And your purpose will have this supernatural flow. A supernatural ability will come into your purpose. Amen. First your purpose. Then your passion. And then what, what are you doing here today, Jerry? What, what are you doing standing up in front of this church? If, if you just enjoyed it so much out in construction, why are you doing here? Because I got the third stage. Their third stage is God gave me a mission. And in the mission, He told me to come to Camden. And He told me to stand here in front of you. Now the thing about my purpose, it'll never change. My passions, they will change in accordance with as I grow old, as different means different I'm a lot more passionate about health today than I was when I was 20, I guarantee you. (laughs) Amen. But your mission can always change. You know, you know the you know the song they used to sing, Secret Agent Man? How many got an old memory? You remember that? Do you know I woke up last night wanting to sing Secret Agent Man? I woke up at 2 o'clock this morning, just a few minutes after 2, and I was wanting to sing Secret Agent Man. And I had that tune going over. Because I tell you what, when you know God's mission, you're God's Secret Agent Man for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Let's stand together, please. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful. That our life here on this earth, it becomes a supernatural flow. Lord, and I pray for those that's in this building right now that life has ended in some kind of dead corridor for them. They're unhappy, saddened, depressed, and discouraged. I ask you, Lord, to reveal your purpose to them. Lord, give them a purpose that's bigger than them. Give them a purpose that will run their whole life. And then fuel it, Lord, with your passion and with your fire. Make it supernatural, Lord. And then, Lord, those that are faithful, they will begin to hear the call of mission. And then, Lord, you will begin to send this one to one place. And you will begin to send this other one to another place. And you will begin to commission this one. And you will begin to commission that one. To hear your voice in this commissioning. How many like say, Jerry, I would sure like to live this year knowing my purpose in life. Won't you raise your hands with me? right now thank you Lord as these hands are raised before you Lord these that are standing before you right now Lord they're looking for their purpose in you Lord the Bible says that your sheep hear your voice and they know your voice and 
So, Lord, I just reach out my faith and I lay claim on promises of Scripture, Lord, that says that your sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd and his commissioning way to commission us into the purposes of life, God. Lord, we want to spend our life <laughs> living your purpose, Lord. I want to live my life, Lord, doing what you created me to do. I want to be the person, Lord, that you created me to be. So, Lord, we ask you for a supernatural inspiration of God into every person that's asking you, Lord, that you would begin to reveal your purpose in life to them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to get things right with God. I want you to slip your hand up, would you? Say, Pastor, I need to get things right with God. Go ahead and slip your hand up. If that's you. I need to get things right with the Lord. Let me lead you in a real simple prayer. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask your forgiveness. And I ask your cleansing. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I come this morning, Lord, to make things right with you. And then, Lord, I will desire to live out your purposes on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want those, as we, as we close, I want to ask one group to come forward as we, uh, rest of us go out the back. If you've got a call, if you've sensed a mission that has to do with preaching, I want to pray with you before you leave. I want to lay hands on you very quickly here. If you, if you have sensed that God has been dealing with you over preaching, I want you to, I want you to come on and slip up here as others go out the back. And I want to lay my hands and pray for you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord.